This is Cameron Burgess, and you're listening to the Film Focus Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Full and Focus podcast. My name's Matt Boisclair, and well, it certainly wasn't the result we'd hoped for at lunchtime at Craven Cottage on Saturday as Arsenal ran out deserved 3-0 winners. However, there were definite positives and signs of encouragement to take from the performance, at least. Arsenal were too strong for us on the day, but as opening day defeats go, I'm certainly not in any way despondent. Let's see if my friends feel the same, though. Firstly, joining me is a man who is fresh from his performance at Craven Cottage on live French TV at full-time, and he also filled his camera roll up with lots of socially distant selfies too. Bonjour, Will Oakley. Come on, Sava. I have absolutely no idea what that means, oh, but yeah. we will move forwards. <laughs> Good grief. What are they teaching these kids these days? <laughs> also joining me is a man who has cycled almost as many miles this week as Baldo has had calories. It's Morgan Cowton. Hello, mate. You're well? Hello, mate. Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Good stuff. Come on then, let's go. Fulham. So let's start where we always do then, lads, the starting lineup. I don't think many of us realistically expected to see many of the new signings in the lineup, but only Ariola made the bench, as Scott Parker said the others aren't quite ready yet. Faith was kept with the side that's got us promoted a, a few oh, Faith was kept with the side that got us promoted a few weeks ago, and the biggest surprise was of course Mitro being on the bench. Morgs, what was your first reaction when you saw the team? I wasn't overly surprised with the team itself. The obviously the only um, surprise, and it was the fact that AK was starting up top. I thought Mitro would be, you know, surefire just to sort of come in. The fact that we didn't have any of our new signings um, anywhere in the squad was a bit surprising. I mean, Ariola, obviously, given the fact that Bettinelli is now at Middlesbrough, was definitely going to happen. Because obviously, it was whether a call between him and Rodak, uh, given the fact that Rodak had been in international duty this week, but. The fact that none of them made the squad was it was interesting from the point of view of did Scott just not think they were ready or did he want to just give that side who made it through the playoffs the opportunity to show what they were made of? And I think given what we saw today, it won't uh, sorry yesterday, it won't be long before we see those new uh, new members of the squad coming in. Yeah, I think you're right on that. I think Mitrovic, like you say, was probably the biggest surprise. I would have really liked to see him start. And I think we saw that kind of later on when he came on. Obviously, he came on with Anguissa, but I think Mitrovic also did create a lot of the chances for us and quite good hold-up play. Uh, I think another thing was uh, knock-up being dropped. I think Cav and Cabano actually did do quite well. But I would like to see Knockart probably at least coming on the pitch uh, from the bench earlier, kind of in the second half, and maybe dropping Cabano for a bit as well because he's good and uh, we all love him for his you know free kick masterclass. But I don't really think he can start games against top six sides in the Premier League. It's interesting, actually. Scott Parker said after the game uh, when he was asked that this was the best team that we had available. Um, you know, Lamina wasn't quite ready and the new signings that we made last week weren't quite ready. Do you, Morks, do you think that he was just 
Um, do you think that was a bit of nonsense? Do you think that he was just like really did think I'm gonna I'm gonna play the the, the players that got us up? Was that a bit of man management, perhaps, um, to try and breathe some confidence into those players that they are good enough at this level? Or do you think genuinely that the new signings just weren't ready? I think it was a bit of both, to be honest. I think we've got a squad of players who last season did amazingly well to get us promoted, obviously. Going out from the Championship is such a hard act to you know fulfil. Now, they got us up, I th- um, but we all know, and I'm pretty sure Scott knows, that those players aren't good enough, you know, just the ones that got us out aren't good enough in, in themselves to make us competitive in this league. But with the right additions to the squad, we are. You know, there are some good squad players in there. Um, you know, maybe not all of them Premiership quality or Premier League quality, but then you look at someone like Sheffield United and how well they did. Would you look at them and go, all oh, their players are Premier League quality? No. This, in terms of the players that have come in, because we didn't have a decent pre-season, I think Scott's right. They probably weren't ready because they've got to come in and learn a whole new uh, system. They've got to learn the way that we play. And in order to sort of come straight into the team, they have to be incredibly well-drilled. And we only had one, maybe two pre-season games for those players to actually get to learn it. So I think he was right. I think this was the best team playing the system that we had available. All right, mate. Well, in the first first minute, a defensive mix-up and good anticipation from uh, Abubakar Kamara gave us a great early chance. Kabano then had a good chance with a header, which kind of skimmed off the top of his head from a from a Tom Kearney cross. Will, you've got to take chances like this at this level, don't you? We're not going to get loads and loads and loads of chances every week. And when we do get them, we have to take them. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Kamara's chance, he actually did really well to get there first. Um although the keeper did sort of get there literally half a second after. That's why he didn't get past him. I think it was good anticipation to actually get to the ball first, which, to be fair, is something that Mitrovic might not have even gone for, let alone actually get to. He's definitely not quick enough for that. Um, And he was, yeah, he was unlucky to get past the keeper. And he probably could have done it a bit differently with taking a heavier touch, but it's unlucky, and it was at that point where I was like, "Yeah, we're you know creating good opportunities. We could actually get a goal or two out of this game." Obviously, it didn't turn out like that, but um, there were that's definitely a few positives to take out of that match. Yeah, well, it was a defensive cock up that led to led to that chance. And speaking of defensive cock ups, it wasn't long before Marek Rodot was picking the ball out the back of the net for one 0 to Arsenal. Tim Ream's a full guy, but was it really that much of a bad error? Michael Hector did something similar against Cardiff in the playoff semi-final when the ball came at him quickly. And these things just happen to defenders. I think Tim Ream's going to be a, uh, a walking target this season anyway, given uh, you know the fact that everybody has recognised that we do need to upgrade uh, in, in central defence. Morgs, what were your thoughts on the goal? Was anyone to blame? Do you blame Tim Ream? Or was the criticism that he's been on social media quite harsh? I, I Personally, I, I tweeted about it. I sort of said, I think... That was, you know, it was a sloppy goal from a team point of view. But I think that the um, the criticism that was laid at his feet, it was almost premeditated. It only was going to take one mistake from Ream for everyone to jump on his back. That's uh, everyone, you know, a good proportion of fans to jump on his back because they have earmarked him as the person to be replaced. Now, you look at the goal and the ball, the William, um, William shot, was 
it came quickly at him. I'm not quite sure what he was doing there. It was a weird positioning for a start, um, but came at him and the way it bounced, uh, it was just, a, it, was a, it was a strange bounce that came off. I mean, it was, you know, unlucky in any other time it could have gone off the other way and, you know, gone into sort of out for a throw-in or something like that. But the reality is he should have been hoofing that clear, but the speed it came at, who knows, you know, maybe he just didn't have time to think. But I think that the criticism that he is receiving is incredibly harsh, given the fact that I thought he was better than Hector throughout the game. And he read the game better. He seemed much more composed. Hector seemed off the pace um, throughout it. And in reality, should he have still been on the pitch at the end of it? He was, you know, conceded quite a few fouls after he was booked. And you do wonder if that was just a little bit of time settling in to the pace of the game, because that was his first Premier League appearance, or, you know, is he as good as we thought it was? Now, I'm not going to say no, he's not, because it's been one game, and it was against a team where he had uh, Aubameyang and Lacazette running at him, and any defender's going to struggle with that, because they're quality players. But I think any sort of criticism that Ream received was probably double because of who he is. The guy has been a great servant to us. And for people to start sort of having a go at him straight off the bat, it's just, I, you know, I don't, I don't like it. And I think he deserves a lot more respect for the amount of, uh, you know, appearances he's made for us and the service he's given us in his time here. No, that's, you've hit the nail on the head there. It is about respect. And I, I can't believe that people have such disrespect for somebody who's, been at the heart of our defence during two promotion campaigns. All right, last time round he was he was pretty crap in the Premier League, and he, he'll always be judged by by the fact that you know he he didn't cope well, particularly against pacey players. But it's a fresh season now. We're we're a different team to the one we were, and why shouldn't he get a second crack at the whip? I mean, you know, we, we haven't signed another centre half yet, and we're we're going to be stuck with Tim Ream, and getting on at him is you know is is going to do the team no favours whatsoever. Um, you touched upon Michael Hector there. Will, I'm going to come to you now. Uh, it could have been 2-0 just before half an hour when William hit the post from a free kick given away by Michael Hector. Maltz, you mentioned that he was booked for that tackle and then persistently fouled throughout the game. Will, it definitely wasn't the, the big man at his best, was it? No, definitely not. I think, and like, you're, like you were saying, um, he was off the mark and he didn't play his best, nowhere near. You know, In the championship, he was dominating attackers. Uh, like you said, Morgan, when Aubameyang and Lacazette are running at you, no defender's going to have the game of his life, is he? But it, it wasn't his best performance by no means. And the fouls, I think, were stupid. I think the whole team, but uh, especially Hector, were probably feeling quite a lot of pressure because Hector's just been one of our standout performers in the Championship. And now he's starting his first ever Premier League game and he's been chucked against the just a team who have just beat Chelsea and Liverpool. It's hard for him to adjust to life in the Premier League because although he's been at a Premier League club for years, this is finally his big chance to step up to the, you know, the challenge. Uh, so he's going to want to prove himself more than anyone. I think he'll be all right for the next few games. Uh, it's just the first game. It's going to be hard to sort yourself out. And hopefully he does get better. I also think that Ream, you know, can do a good job at this level against the lower teams. I think we all want a left centre back to kind of play alongside Hector. That isn't Ream, but I think he, you know, he made his 200th appearance against Arsenal, 
And it's just is about respect, like you guys say. So him and Hector, we've seen them work well in the championship, and I think they can work well in the Prem. We just have to give them time to sort of adjust um, to the Premier League, the pace and the uh, physicality of the game. But that's that's kind of what I'm thinking, is the fact that people seem to forget that our defence, in that kind, after the first two games post-lockdown, our defence was brilliant. And throughout the season, we were incredibly good at defending 1-0 leads. And for some reason, you know, yes, Reem had a terrible season, much like every other player in our squad last time in the Premier League. And I just think people need to realise that, yes, he may not be the best centre-back, but they have a very good partnership. And we only have to look back to the Hughes-Hanglin partnership to realise that you don't have to be the best player. If you have a good understanding with your fellow centre-back, you may turn into a brilliant partnership. Because Aaron Hughes, if you look at him at any other club, he wasn't brilliant. He was, you know, he was all right. But him and Hanglin together, they were amazing. And I think we have to sort of think, yes, we could find a better centre-back. And if a you know, top-quality one became available that we're able to get hold of, then yeah, sure, bring him in. But we haven't found that yet. And I think for now, we have to give them the benefit of the doubt that they know each other well enough to be able to sort of do us a good job at the moment. And you've got to remember as well, we were up against some of the best players in the world uh, on Saturday afternoon against Arsenal. You know, Aubameyang, 22 goals last season. Very difficult to defend against anyway at the best of times. Uh, but particularly when supporters of your own club aren't, haven't got your back. And, and that's what I feel it is at the moment. I, I just feel like we're uh, we're shooting ourselves in the foot as supporters by getting on at our own players. One game in against one of the big biggest clubs in the country, it's, um, it's, it's nonsense. So get behind them for God's sake. Going forward, I think we have plenty of possession. And uh, Arsenal, we found difficult to break down. I thought we looked pretty good aside from the lack of chances, though, and we were certainly getting balls into the box in the first half. We just needed somebody in the box to get on the end of them. And, you know, it's just a shame that it, Mitrovic was uh, was adjudged to to not be fully fit to, to start the game. Will, do you think that we, um, we're we going to get some goals this season from those crosses into the box if, if Mitrovic starts? It, it looks like it. I mean, like you're saying, the, somehow we've just started crossing, which... We didn't do much of last season, definitely didn't last time we were in the Prem, but Cav and Cabano were definitely playing in quite a few crosses. Uh, I think that's something that Cav's kind of Premier League experience does help him with. He knows kind of how defenders play and, you know, he's played out on the wing for Wolves in the Prem before. And, and, you know, he knows how to beat a a fullback. So I, I think that it can definitely work. I mean, it would be so Fulham if Mitro comes into the squad and we don't do any crosses. But hopefully we do carry on doing crosses and hopefully Mitrovic can get, you know, maybe 15 goals at least. That would be great. And Morgs, even Dennis Adoy was working quite well on the overlap as well. But I think we're, we're probably eventually going to see, you know, Tete and Aina come into the side um, down that right-hand side. But yeah, I mean, I mean Dennis Adoy, I mean, he's, he's put... A shout in at least to put himself in for contention to compete with those players. Yeah, the thing is with Dennis, you you know you're going to get a shift from him, and when he knew you know, he needed to be in a particular position, you're always going to get that. He is the most reliable player 
out there. Yes, okay, he's not the best sometimes, but he's reliable. Uh, he's not the most attacking either. That's why I think he started today over Cyrus because, you know, Scott realised that you don't need to be playing with attacking fullbacks. I mean, obviously he had Joe Bryan, but you knowing that Albama Yang is going to be coming at you, you need to have some form of solidity at the back. Obviously it didn't quite pan out as, you know, we'd hoped. But you know that Dennis can get down that flank if need be. But you're right, he is likely to be replaced by Teto. To be honest, I don't know a huge amount about that guy, but I assume he's quite good at sort of bombing down the right. But we also might start seeing Dennis um, drafted into the centre-back as well. If we play 5-3-2, it's a good chance we'll be seeing Reem, Hector and Odoi playing along the back three. Surely a better option than uh, Maxime. So I think we will still be seeing him on the pitch, just not quite sure where at the moment. Um, I don't mind Maxime Gavash, and I think he gets a lot of unfair stick as well. But anyway, let's it's talk just more that about he's not it. very good. That's the problem. <laughs> well, sure. With all I due mean, respect, uh, he's a bit shit. <laughs> he's just a bit shit. No, I, I disagree with that. I, th- I think that's harsh. But anyway, let's let's move on because Lamarchand didn't even get onto the pitch against Arsenal. Let's let's carry on talking about the defence a little bit more because in the second half we made the worst possible start. We conceded a goal from a corner. It's just textbook corner and Gabriel scores on his debut. Hector was rooted to the spot. Rodak was rooted to the spot. They were crowded out by the Arsenal attack. And I just felt like it was really poorly defended by us. Will, what did you make of it? Yeah, you're right. I think it's it's Hector's fault. There's no denying that. But then again, like you said, we don't want to get on the player's back. It takes time to adjust. And hopefully that's something that Parker should now see. And then, you know, work on it with the squad although defending corners sounds quite basic when you're playing against these prem teams who have practice set pieces you know multiple times a day I would imagine it is, is going to be hard to defend against it always is I think maybe it doesn't, Rodak, sorry, it, it doesn't have to be though because you can you can drill a team to defend corners and that corner was just whipped into the six yard box and our central defender's job is to head that away and our central defence yeah. didn't jump. They stood there. And yeah, that's true. I, it wasn't good. Yeah, enough. it wasn't. It wasn't good enough by Hector. Definitely not. But I think again, it's just something taking time to adjust. And maybe I don't know. I don't know. It's just a step up from the championship, isn't it? Really. And I think for some reason, whenever a player scores on their debut, like against. Fulham, it just annoys me even more because just like, oh, that, that's going to be shown all over Twitter and whatever. Gabriel scores in his debut against Fulham. Yeah, brilliant. Cheers. But I, I don't know. Um, he seems good for them, to be fair. And he's probably one of the main reasons why we didn't end up scoring. But yeah, that just annoys me. That was a frustrating goal to concede. But 10 minutes later, and there was a moment of real quality from Albama Yang. Um, great ball over the top from Willian. Obama Yang takes it and sticks it in the top corner. 3-0, game set and match Arsenal. Don't think anybody was particularly at fault for this. Uh, Morse, what did you make of the goal? Well, it was just kind of another worldy goal that Arsenal score that begins down the right flank towards the uh, towards the putney end. It was almost like the same as the um, Ramsey goal two years ago. And yeah, it was just one of those goals that you see from a team who are very good. They may not have had the best last few seasons, but they have some quality players. And that is just one of those goals that you see that sets them apart from teams like us. 
And I think you're right. The finish was brilliant. Um, I think, again, without sort of going on about Hector, he looked a little bit weak at one point when he fell over on the halfway line. Um, but you can't argue with how good it was. And, you know, Aubameyang is one of the best forwards in the game. And as soon as he was on the edge of the penalty area, you just knew where the ball was going and we weren't able to stop it. So I think there's no arguments about the quality of it. It's just a bit crap that by that point, it meant the game was over and we still had half an hour to go. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, with half an hour to go, on comes Mitrovic and on comes Anguissa as well uh, in place of Kamara and Cabano. Um, Straight away, Anguissa pushed us forward. He was like a breath of fresh air for me in the team. He looked very good, very composed and very direct. And I think that's sometimes what we lack. I know Josh Onoma brings uh, a certain amount of... uh, directness to our play as well, heading for goal. Um, and it surprised me, actually, after the game in our team chat that a couple of the guys said, oh, I don't get it about Angie. So I just, I thought he looked a bit bland and I, I don't get all the fuss. Will, what did you make of Angisa? Do, do you think he could still have a future at the club? Yeah, 100%. I've said it since he came back on loan from Villarreal that, you know, he can, he can be great for this, for Fulham, um, especially if we stay up. I think he's a player that we can definitely build as the club kind of builds as hopefully a mid-table Prem team, let's say. Not this season, but in future seasons. I think he's just one of those players. He's still young. We did pay a lot of money for him, but hopefully in the coming seasons, he'll be where we do get our money's worth. Um, I think when him and Mitro for me as well, I just think they actually linked up quite nicely. Um, when we first bought Anguisa, he played a bit deeper, but towards the end of the relegation season, he started to push up a bit. And I think that's kind of where he played yesterday, kind of in the box-to-box role. Uh, and I think that was much better. I think for me, I would start him, Reed, and Kearney or Onoma next game. I thought Kearney was all right, but we know what Onoma can bring to the table. So for me, Reed and Gisa and Onoma would be a great midfield three. Um, you know, Reed provides the holding midfielder, Onoma pushing forwards and Anguissa right in the middle, who can do a bit of both. I think that's a really balanced midfield and something that can definitely work in the Premier League. I, I, you know, I've got to agree with you. I mean, that's, I look at those three players, um, Reed and Gisa and Onoma and go, that is the, that is the core of our midfield. Now, in all fairness to Kearney, he's great, but he's not. He doesn't cut it in the Premier League, or he certainly didn't last time. And you look at him, and he doesn't offer as much as Anguissa can. And I think Onoma has to be on the pitch. Obviously, Reed does as well because he does all the tidying up, you know, that, in that role. But when Anguissa came on. He was like a very different player from what we saw when we had him first time around. And so I think he's probably learned over the last year at Villarreal. He certainly obviously got the plaudits over there. They wanted to sign him. And I think we've got to give him a chance. Now, he didn't seem to have the same attitude that Seri had, which is why I think he probably made it onto the bench while Seri didn't. And I think he does offer that kind of service that you know we need is that bit of quality as well so i think if he doesn't you know demand a move i think we should certainly keep him and i think if he sort of you know 
is allowed to you know start a few games on the trot i think he'll become an integral part of our team and i do think it is going to be at um at the expense of Kearney because he just doesn't offer the same amount that he used to and i think in this league you can't get away with that everyone needs to be on their game and everyone has their role and we just don't know what tom's role is now you guys made the comparison earlier on in the show about um sheffield united and saying that they don't necessarily have um, top players, but there they're are some of their parts and they're a Premier League side on merit based on some of their parts. And we're hoping that that's going to be what we are. But for me, Anguissa is a, a very, very good player, definite Premier League quality uh, on a standalone basis. And I, I think we started to see that a couple of years ago in the last few games when Scott Parker took over. And I think Scott Parker likes him. Scott Parker obviously likes a midfielder because he was a midfielder himself. And I can see Anguissa, if he does want to stay, the club clearly wants him to stay. Um, I can see him being a big part of this side this season. Did, but did he, do you think he left because he wanted, didn't want to play in the Championship? Or do you think he left because of uh, financial fair play? Yeah, I think it fair. was um, financial fair play. I think I actually read something. I can't remember where, probably Twitter, but... Um, I think it was also in some uh, news article as well that Anguissa actually said that he liked playing under Parker. Um, I think that that's good if you like playing under the manager. I've spoken on the podcast about Parker's man management and he seems, all the players seems to like working under him. And that's that's good for Anguissa because I think he's a player that can still grow into even better than he already is. I think Parker's the right person to kind of help him grow into that player in a way. I think also it, he is definitely better than the championship, so I can understand why he would want to go on loan. But the thing is, if he says, I want to play for you guys in the Premier League, but I don't want to play in the championship, I think, yeah, you could have stayed with us in the championship, but that's fair enough. If you're better than the championship, but you still want to play for us when we're in the big league and you still like the club, I think that's fair enough. Obviously, people will say that that's not very committed, but I think at the end of the day, you've got to also think about your own career moves as well. The fact that he's back here now and he's happy to play for us, that's enough for me. Plus, he's only 24. So exactly, he's still got a lot yeah. of growing to do. And in that particular role, you know, he's got two, three years until he has his peak. So I think if we can keep hold of him, we could have a really special player on our hands in kind of a bit of a likeness of Moussa Dembele the first, I think. Yeah, you know, 100%. There's, there, there's that kind of quality comparison. to him. Yeah. Well, let's let's hope he doesn't get too good too quickly. Then, otherwise, he'll be on his on his way anyway, as as is what happens in these situations. Let's move on, then, lads. Um, Marek Rodak made a great close range save in the seventy first minute from Lacazette, and then Joe Bryan blocked the follow up on the line from Tierney. I think I really felt it was good to see that although we were three 0 down, we were still bodies were being thrown on the line, and the players were really fighting for each other. I think this shows great team spirit. What do you reckon, Will? That's really important, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. I think Rodak and Brian, like those are the two players involved in that. I think they're both integral parts of the squad. And I've seen a lot of people talk about Ariola maybe coming in for Rodak. And I think that's fair enough. But I think we've also got to give Rodak a chance against a team who doesn't have a Bamiyang in. I think we've got to maybe play him next game against Leeds, obviously after the, the cup game, but I think we got to play him against Leeds because 
we're not going to be playing against Aubameyang every week. And, Rodak didn't you know, do anything wrong, though. Rodak did yeah, nothing exactly. wrong. Yeah, exactly. And although we, you know, we were quite optimistic going in. Yeah, maybe we'll get a draw out of it. It's Arsenal. They've just won the FA Cup and the Community Shield. We don't really have, you know, that much chance against Aubameyang. So I think keep Rodak in there and Brian. I I don't know why, but I feel like this time he's just going to be a lot better than he was last time in the Prem. I think although when we came back from lockdown, his defence didn't really look like it had improved. This time, I feel like he's just got a new confidence about him, whether that's because he's playing under Parker or just because he wants to prove himself more. I'm not sure, but I think he can actually be a great left back this season. And hopefully he is. He's also got competition there. You know, yeah, exactly, they've, brought but... in, they've signed, they've signed a left back. And if you are a left back or you, if you're in any position and they bring in a player in your position, you know that you've got competition. If you're bought in to take over someone's role, you're the one that's going in going, they want me to fill in that role. So right now he's basically swimming against the tide, making sure that he can keep his place in the team. And he, his confidence would have been built up, especially after the Wembley game. And so I think he's going to build on that. And he's, clearly a very good player and the, the his service to Mitro especially last season is a real was a real asset so I think as long as he can work on his defensive abilities through this year and keep the confidence you know in his play I think you're right I think we do have a quality player on our hands and you know in all fairness to Robinson I hope he gets a few games but I love Joe Bryan you can't not love him. He seems like a lovely bloke as well as, you know, having scored those two goals. And you want to sort of, you you want to cheer for him. You want to make sure that he can keep his place in the team on merit. Yeah, good stuff, lads. All right, well, Bobby Reid replaced Josh Onimer with 15 minutes left. It just wasn't Josh's day, was it, Will? He was very quiet. Yeah, he was. And like I said before, I think Kearney yesterday might have actually been a bit better than Onimer. But, for me, Onoma, we just know he's got the class. He's younger. Um, he needs to stay in the team, in my opinion. Uh, we know what he can bring to the table, especially against teams like Villa and Leeds. Uh, so I think it's a good idea to keep him in the team. Um, Bobby Reed coming on. I mean, I know Danny absolutely hates Bobby Reed, but I think I'm starting to get there as well. I, I just don't know why he's playing to be honest i mean did you see i think he tried to chip leno it literally rolled along the floor like what what what's the point i don't i don't understand <laughs> i mean obviously there's a good player in there somewhere because we signed him permanently which i still don't understand but also we signed him on loan after you know he had well the see couple of seasons after he had the good season for bristol where he was just scoring for fun so there's obviously someone in there but he hasn't really showed it yet and i don't really want him to be replacing Onoma and trying to chip a top six goalkeeper, which is just never going to work. He just yeah, made no, him he, look like a bit of an idiot, really. If you're going to shoot, if you're going to shoot from the halfway line, you've got to get it somewhere near the goal at this level. And um, yeah. it's harsh. It's harsh to get on at Bobby Reed because, as you say, there's definitely a player in there. I feel like maybe we've we've bought him in, but didn't really know what to do with him or, fight, or where to play him for, for the best, where to, where to get the best out of him. And we've kind of used him in a, in a variety of roles and it just hasn't worked yet for him. Yeah. Um, he only got a couple of goals last season. Yeah, but we ended up uh, making the transfer permanent, but wouldn't surprise me if eventually he went out on loan. But at the same time, 
I'm still kind of rooting for him because he hasn't had the best of times at Fulham so far. And and I, I, I want to see him do well. I want to see all of our players do well. So I really hope somehow or another he can he can find his find his feet and and, and we get the best out of him. Really hope that. Right, let's come on to uh, your post-match summary then, lads. So, 3-0's a crap start. Personally, I feel optimistic. I felt like we played pretty well. We worked hard. And as a starting point against a very good side, I think it's okay. All right, 3-0 sounds like, you know, a a terrible score. But I I don't necessarily think that's any reason to be gloomy against a team with the Arsenal's quality. Morgs, give me your uh, your final thoughts on, on the game. You're right. 3-0 on the face of it looks like a bad result. And the fact that we started off well, even if it was only for the first nine minutes, kind of made me think, okay, this this isn't going to be so bad. But then obviously nine minutes gone, 1-0 down. It could have got worse. We held out in the first half, you know, we showed resilience. We could have let our heads drop and been two or three down at half time, but we didn't. Obviously the second goal was shit to concede. The third goal was quality, and we should have, you know, we should have pushed more. I think for that, um, for a goal, even if it was just a consolation, we didn't get enough shots on target. But there was a team there. You could see there was a spirit within that team, and I think that is, uh, you know, that is something that we can look forward to. And I think under Parker, we certainly have a lot more structure than we did under Slav in that first in that season last time um and i think looking at it we need to write this game off it was always going to be a hard game and given the fact the team that we put out there was made up of players some of which aren't quite up to this level i think it showed that you know we have a good squad but we still need to strengthen it and i think the players that we have brought in will do that and i think you know in the over the next few games that will really be um you know a test of parker's management and i think we will build on up but we can't get disheartened by a simple opening day defeat because if we do that then that will you know the house of cards will come come down and it shouldn't do yeah i think you're 100% right on that um i think it's a marathon you know not it's a marathon not a sprint um We've just played against one of the strongest Premier League sides. Admittedly, they've struggled recently, but they look like they're going to go on to do good things this season. Um, we've now got, a I don't want to say easy because no game's easy, but we've got a better run of games coming up than we have throughout the season. Um, I think we just need to make the most out of, of those games. I think we can't just put our heads down now and think that's it. Uh, like you say, 3-0 sounds bad, but there's, lots and lots of positives to take from that game against a good side so I think build on the positives sort out some of the dodgy mistakes and I think we'll be all right um hopefully if we get a few points out of the next few games fans will kind of be happy with it and if we you know get seven or let's say six out of nine points we should be about mid-table if not yeah mid-table and that will definitely get fans happier and I think it's getting points on board will definitely motivate the players as well yeah we've got to target those specific games for for points but yeah certainly games against the likes of Aston Villa and those teams that we think are going to be in the kind of bottom half around us 
Um, we've got to target those for points. So, yeah, I think you're right. All right, Will, well, I'm going to come straight back to you then. What's your Scott Parker rating for the opening uh, opening game of the season? Um, I'm going to say a 6 out of 10. Nothing special. I didn't see any players stand out. Um, but then, like I say, there's positives. And I think next week's Parker rating uh, will be one of the bigger ones because that kind of depends on whether he's learned from yesterday or not. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it's the thing that annoyed me a bit was not starting Mitro. I know he said he wanted to keep with the same team that uh, won him the playoffs. And also Mitro did just come back from uh, international duty. But I think there could have, maybe Mitro could have started. But I understand why he didn't. So for me, six out of 10, just bang on average. I'm going to go one up from that and say seven out of 10. Um, I don't think he did a great deal wrong. Um, if he says that the, the 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 new players aren't quite ready, then we have to believe him. All right, we can debate whether or not um, we think that's the case. But he said that, so, you know, we, we have to go with it. So he, he picked the best team that was available to him. And I don't think they did a bad job. We didn't create many opportunities, but... I think we're going to struggle to create opportunities this season, uh, if I'm honest. Um, and unless we sign, you know, a, a world-class central midfielder who can who can unlock defences, and we sign some players who run off the ball and, and you know create those angles. So yeah, seven out of ten for me. What about you, Morgs? Yeah, I'm going to go seven out of ten as well. I think given the fact that the turnaround time between the playoff final and the start of the season was so short, he had to make a judgment call on whether you know, those players that he signed were ready and he clearly thought they weren't. He knew the system he wanted to play. He knew the players that knew how to play it. Um, you say the, the players that won in the playoff final, Mitro was on the pitch when we scored both our goals. So I think maybe that was more to do with his fitness after in, the international break and the fact that he had more time with um, AK. Uh, I would have liked to have seen Knockart come on, I think, Given how the game was panning out, I think a little bit of his uh, quality would have been useful. Um, but obviously, he went with the other options. So I think overall, it was result aside was a was an okay start. You know, it it seemed after that game, I felt more confident than I did after the two 0 defeat to Palace at the beginning of the 2018 season. So I think we can only look to build from here. And obviously the Leeds game is going to be hard uh, given how they performed at Anfield. But I think we can move through the next few games with a bit more confidence um, than the result would suggest. All right, lads. Well, before we play Leeds next weekend, we have the small matter of Ipswich away in the Carabao Cup on Wednesday. Will, do you think that we're going to see a much-changed side and do you think that perhaps we'll see some new signings as well for, for the game at Ipswich? I think we will, actually. I think uh, players like Lamina will definitely... Well, definitely, OK. He, he should get a chance, I think, to maybe get a bit of match fitness up before the Prem. Um, also, I'm not sure if Mitrovic might because he didn't really play much uh, against Arsenal, of course. Personally, I wouldn't because I think you should just save him. I think he, he doesn't really need match fitness. He's been playing on international duty. He knows what the Prem's like. He should be all right. But I do understand if Parker wants to take him to Ipswich to kind of maybe get him ready for the Leeds match. Personally, I think you just got to 
give players like Stansfield and Jasper a bit of a run out. Um, Maxime Lamarchand, maybe play Adoy if you're thinking of playing Christie against Leeds or, you know, vice versa. Uh, Anthony Robinson, I think, could definitely get a chance because he obviously signed first and he will probably get some game time. But yeah, I, I don't really know which key players are going to play, but I'd imagine it will be mostly bench players, new sign-ins and youngsters. Or that's what I think I would do because to get the players that don't usually play, get them to play. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think I think we'll see 11 changes. I think we'll get... Um, I think Ariola will start goal uh, to give him a go. And I think we'll see a, probably a whole new back line. Uh, Christy... I don't see much of a place for him regularly moving forward. So I think we'll probably see him play. Robinson definitely will get in there. Um, centre-backs, uh, yeah, Maxime and a another. Um, so, and then, yeah, the midfield. One of It could be one of many. Midfield and forwards could be one of many players there. So I think we'll see. We'll definitely see unchanged, um, a much-changed lineup. I don't think Mitro will be bothering to go up there. He might be on the bench uh, just in case, but I don't think Parker's putting enough interest uh, in this tournament to warrant even sort of seeing him on the coach. So we'll see. Do you think it might be like Kevin Kevin McDonald and uh, Stefan Johansson being put in the uh, in the shot window? Yeah, I think I think K Mac will probably captain the side. Steph Joe, yeah, Steph Joe, K Mac, and Lamina maybe in midfield um, should be. <laughs> Get a couple of bookings anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I, well, I, guess, I guess we're going to see people like McDonald and um, and Steph Joe leave, are we? On loan at least. So I, that's what I expect. Steph Joe definitely. I, I, you know, I think I'm one of many that would like to see K Max stay just for his influence around the dressing room because he is a captain, um, you know, without the armband in this case. And so yeah, I, think I think he's he's useful just to have around. Yeah, I think McDonald is kind of not too bothered about the football now. He's had a few injuries of late, um, or, or, or he's definitely slowing down as well. Or we've seen that over the last few seasons. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the reason why he did really well under Slavisa was just because of the system. I think he was already declining there, to be honest. Um, and now, obviously, it's been two years since that promotion squad, the, the original promotion. So, yeah, I think he's he's there. He's a good influence on the youngsters. He can help. And I think most people like me would be happy to see him get a coaching role eventually. He's well, a terrible you're, influence you're... on the youngsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do not want him around the younger players. You want him around the first team squad, staying too far away from those young, impressionable players that we have in <laughs> under-23s. I feel really depressed now. A 17-year-old sitting there saying that a 31-year-old is like slowing down. He's, he's bloody eight years younger than I am. <laughs> I think he's only 31. I feel like yeah, he's like 42. He's you know, he's... No, uh, he's he still he could you know for his position he could play for another five years or so if he wanted to. Yeah, uh, I think he, so. uh, that's true. I yeah. suppose, because I could still I play. Just... I'm 36. You know, I could still play that holding midfield role quite happily. But you know, as, that, as they say in fever pitch, mate, it's it's not your age that's uh, keeping you away from the game. It's the crapness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one wants a five foot five holding midfielder. Put it that way. 
<laughs> Great stuff. All right, well, that's it from us this time. Uh, we'll have our Leeds preview show, which will include a Kevin McDonald in focus chat. Very apt. Um, that will be out first thing on Thursday morning this week. Lads, thanks ever so much for joining me. And of course, thanks to everyone listening. And I'll speak to you all soon. Cheers. Fulham.